filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it's the two-year anniversary of the filibuster freestyle, and the Patriots are the world champ. They won Super Bowl fifty-one. We're feeling pretty good. Filibuster freestyle. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. As I just said, it's your buddy Gavin. Filibuster freestyle. You can always check us out at filibusterfreestyle.com. Or hit up our chief marketing officer, Andrew Patterson, at the Filibuster Freestyle's new Twitter handle, at FB underscore freestyle. Really quick intro to set up another intro. Yesterday I was in Miami for the Super Bowl and to celebrate the second anniversary of the show. Uh, There's going to be five or six little little vignettes from throughout the day uh, as we were getting ready for the Super Bowl, the halftime show. But post-game madness. Uh, some choice language in there from some of our pundits, namely my brother, who typically likes to uh, light it up when he's on the freestyle. Anyway, um, I will try to set up what each segment is going to be about, and I will also try to give warnings if there's going to be any uh, you know, off-color ling- linguistics, if you will. But uh, thanks for making the first two years of the freestyle so enjoyable and all your uh, encouragement and critiques and suggestions and sharing it with your friends means a lot to us. So without any further ado, I will throw it to myself from yesterday. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm coming to you live from Miami, Florida. I am at the A-Loft in Brickell, downtown Miami. It's your buddy, Gavin, and this is a very interesting podcast because, one, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and the Pats are playing the Falcons. And I'm in Miami with five of our pundits, Cindy Harrington, my brother Alex, the F-bomb master, my cousin Doug Brown, Doug's wife Bridget, and Alex's girlfriend Helen. And uh, we're going to basically, throughout the day, I'm going to turn on this phone and basically record what's going on. But in addition, I am standing in the hotel where the freestyle was first recorded two years ago. Uh, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while, and I was in Miami on business. I was at a bar. I came up with a couple hot takes. I came back to my hotel room in this hotel, the A-Loft, and I basically looked up how to record a podcast. I downloaded a couple apps. Uh, I went on SoundCloud and set up an account. And the next thing I know, I think I recorded what was like maybe an 11 and a half or like 13 minute monologue show just by myself. And uh, anyway, kind of cool to be back in the hotel. I think one floor above the floor where we basically created the freestyle. Uh, the crack research team and I created it together. Anyway, throughout the day, I'll be coming back to you. Hopefully I can edit it all and make a little bit of sense or at least be entertaining. But uh, enjoy. And hopefully uh, the post-Super Bowl uh, comments are positive and not negative. But we're going to find out. Okay, really quickly to set things up, this first or the next recording uh, will be myself, my cousin Doug, my brother Alex, and Cindy Harrington uh, talking about a drinking game that Doug's brother Andrew and his friends may or may not have played in college. And the premise of the game was to turn on the 17-minute-long Terrapin Station by the Grateful Dead and then basically try to drink as many beers as you could uh, without becoming sick during those 17 minutes. So we kind of pick it up midstream. Um, and then we get into a little bit of 80s music trivia with our unofficial sponsor of the week, Shazam. So hitting that one next. Hopefully it makes a little bit of sense. Wait, so they, they would basically just chug. It's just like dudes sitting around. As like, many beers as possible listening to the station by 17 people that. 
I'd rather listen to this song, Rocksteady. For 17 minutes. A great for 17 minutes. Well, it's a great song, but it's... 17 minutes is a long time to be chug-a-lugging for life or death. This is a jam right here. Karate Kid soundtrack. Yeah. Let the music play. Who is this? Like Jody Watley or somebody? It's like Banana Rama. I feel like it's like Paula Abdul. I don't think it's Paula Abdul, but it's like it's like a jobber, Paula Abdul, are you Shazam it? Unofficial sponsor of the week, Shazam. Oh, I like that. Yo, you guys think Gaga is gonna do anything crazy tonight? Super Bowl? Shannon. This is Shannon? <laughs> yeah, so Banana Ram is a better call than Shannon. I guess Shannon had no last name. She was so audacious. She's like, I'm gonna be so big after Let the Music Play. I'm not even gonna need a last name. Yeah. Let's see, my favorite one word artist is Cher, Prince, Shannon. Shannon. <laughs> Okay, now that we've covered the one-hit wonder known as Shannon, uh, we're going to get into another hot take of my brother bashing Aerosmith, because that's what he likes to do. He's just not an Aerosmith fan. Is that true? It's never bars next door. Oh, why do you why do you hate they put Aerosmith so much? These are terrible. There's no redeeming value in their music for the most part. Joe Perry plays a, a nice look here and there, but like, I love it. I love it. No, honestly. Yeah, Aerosmith is tough. I forgot about my I'm glad that they're like well received because it's good for Boston, but they they suck. <laughs> Fair. Good point. And they're actually really associated with rap music becoming commercially successful. Because of the whole Run DMC thing. Okay, next up, we're going to do a little post, sorry, first half analysis, which obviously the second quarter did not go well for Patriots fans. Uh, So some skies falling moments in this commentary, and also some predictions on the Lady Gaga um, halftime show as well. And then when we come back, the next thing will be after Gaga's performance. So I'll probably hit up both those in a row. All right, Aviator. Scale of one to a million. How bad were the Patriots in the first half? Uh, if you hadn't told me that Bill Belichick had won four Super Bowls, uh, Tom Brady as well, and the fact that they were in the Super Bowl two years ago, I would say that they were the team who had never played in the Super Bowl before the way that they came out. Uh, honestly, you're looking at legacy time again here. Where like if you get blown out here, I lose a lot of respect for the preparation, for the the ability to understand what the other the team is going to do to you and nullify that and do your thing. Right now, like they look like what I thought. Uh, in an objective manner, I thought the Falcons were going to look like. So you thought you thought Atlanta would be in over their heads, and right now the Patriots are absolutely in over their heads. The Patriots look like this. I never thought the pass rush would be as efficacious as it has been for the Falcons. Yeah. Especially up the middle. I know that on the periphery, they've had success, but I never thought up the middle. And, and to be fair, Tom Brady has had four to six seconds almost every down. He's had a lot of time. He's not finding his guys. It's very unfortunate. Uh, they look like they're unmatched, which I never thought. And you know what? Honestly, if this were a regular season game, I think I'd never be getting fucking killed right now. If the Patriots, for 
whatever reason, decided not to show up for a Super Bowl game. I know. All right, so the bottom line is Pats are down 21-3, to and the Pats, sorry, the South can get the ball and start the first, second right, half. Right, so the question is, can you stop them on that first drive? You, really, you literally need a stop and a score or the silver. Oh, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, like, if you can get a stop and a score, at least you're still in the conversation. Uh, the thing is, the, the Falcons were a bit, I don't know, they they weren't quite on their game to start start off offensively. The, pa- the pass got three possessions of stops. Right. The defense, they did nothing with it. And then, like, we right. did nothing with it. All right. I like it. So, what are your thoughts in the second half? More of the same or the pass to close the gap? I mean, I just... If there's anyone who's going to make in-game adjustments uh, that might give them a chance, it should be Belichick. Now, all these guys, you know, Douglas Carnecchia, Belichick, they got Trisha, good people. I mean, like, first of all, they need to do better, obviously. But uh, Josh Daniels is pretty sure she's going to play college. I must say. All right. So, all right. We'll see if they can improve. We will see. All right. So let's go over to Cindy Harrington. Cindy Harrington. Uh, Alex gave a pretty thorough first half announcement there. Yeah. What are your expectations for Lady Gaga at halftime? Um, I think she's going to put on a great show. I think she is a really good performer. She does not lip sync anything, which I very much respect about her. Right. Team no lip sync. Team no lip sync. Yeah. And she's a very creative human. So I think she's going to put on something good. And there are rumors that Beyonce might show up, which yeah. I'm very excited about. What do you think is more likely? Beyonce shows up or she makes some kind of cra- or, or yes. Lady Gaga makes a crazy political statement. The latter. The latter. Boom. Okay, nice. Alex says both. Alright, let's see. I'm going to go across the board here. Hey, Bridget Hanahan, Brown, Eagles fan, <laughs> here in Florida with us. What are your takes on either the first half and or Lady Gaga's upcoming performance? The first half was sloppier than I was last night. <laughs> which says a lot. It does say a lot because we were very sloppy here in Miami. It's a sloppy town. And I know because somebody didn't spill beer all over me. And that's what happens when you do a gorilla podcast. <laughs> Doug Brown. Doug Brown. Thoughts on Lady Gaga. More likely, Beyonce shows up or she makes a crazy political statement. I think Lady Gaga has triplets and takes a worse glamour shot than Beyonce did. And ladies and gentlemen, that's going to end our halftime coverage because that was fantastic. Post halftime, Cindy, what do you think of Lady Gaga? Uh, I thought she was great. I got really excited. I thought Beyonce was coming. Out. Yeah, you definitely threw water all over me. <laughs> but She's totally fine. She did not, sadly. So, what do you think about the call and not go with Beyonce there? I think it was a misstep. I think people would have gone crazy, but I understand because Beyonce was there last year. So Beyonce's been there like two of the last four or five years. Exactly. So, so I get that. But I thought she was great. I thought she was really entertaining. She played all of her hits. Uh, the newer one I did not know, but it wasn't for that long of a time, so that's okay. What do you think about her ability to change wardrobes and makeup in like what seemed like four seconds at a time? I doubt she changed makeup, but... No, she got rid of the eyeshadow for that last song. I saw it. Oh, yeah! Check the record! <laughs> oh, boy. I just got schools. Um, I, she is just like a whiz. She's a performer, and that's what she does, so... So you're shocking it up to like stage theatrics? Yeah. She has great people to help her She's do that. She's a PhD sure. in stage three. 
Alex. Exactly. All right. All right. I like it. Alex. All right, buddy. Two things. Number one, second half. What are your thoughts? You need a big stop to start the second half, and then you need to score a touchdown right away. Otherwise, it's going to be really difficult. Okay. Yeah. Win or lose, where are we going after the game? Win or lose, we still lose. I mean, that's like a Waffle <laughs> Rebel fucking, like... That, that is definitely, uh, I believe, a motto that any Waffle Rebel has always lived by, and uh, I will continue to do so. So, so win or lose, we still lose. Hey, Helen, we haven't heard from you yet the podcast. Come Come on over. Come on over. What do you think of Lady Gaga's performance? She was amazing. Where was Beyonce, though? I was just yeah, right. Get out of here with your twins. I don't give a shit if you're pregnant. Get on that stage. That's your job. I like it. Okay. And then being, uh, you know, the fact that you didn't grow up in New England, uh, how are you affected by the first half? Are you affected, not affected? Do you care? Do you not care by the first half? Patriots down by 18 points. I'm affected because I'm going out with someone who's very deeply affected. So I'm, by default, I'm affected. But also, I love the Patriots. Okay, and finally, we're after this game, win or lose, where are we going? Strip It's a great answer. Can you do anything now? We'll see you at the end of the game. All right, ladies and germs, I'm back in the studio here. Um, and uh, as you can tell by the pre-halftime performance and then the post-halftime performance, um, or the episodes, if you will, the vignettes, um, you know, the Corona Light unofficial sponsor of the week was really starting to take a little bit of effect. So the next time... I'm going to jump in here. You know, the next thing I'm going to play for you is pretty much immediately after the Patriots won in overtime, uh, scoring what I believe was uh, 31 unanswered points. Yeah, they were down 25. They tied it, and they got it six. So, yeah. Um, so it gets it gets even sloppier than, than it's been getting sloppy as you progressively listen to our Super Bowl coverage from the Filibuster Freestyle and the folks at filibusterfreestyle.com. So fair warning. Uh, after that piece, uh, I am going to come back to the present time, which is right now, um, and just kind of wrap up some Super Bowl thoughts. So, again, I don't know if you've got kids in the car or whatever, but um, you may have already been treated to some fun little language uh, in the last couple of vignettes, but this one is definitely going to have – um, some very, you know, some blue, we're working blue, uh, you know, so parental, uh, advisory warning in full effect here. Uh, nothing mean spirited, just, you know, dropping some, some bombs. That's all. So, uh, here we go. Sinbad, how you feeling? I am so happy for Tom. I think this is a very emotional thing for him. Five, Dude, five this wins for oh, him and Belichick. It's so, incredible. It's incredible. That's a great, solid point right now. I can't even speak English. It's like a historic moment. We were down 28 to 3. 28 to 3. We were. Like, people were lobbying ago. to go to Gentlemen's Club, establishments. People wanted other things. Doug I was Brown, one of those people. You were, Doug Brown was like, no, we're staying. We're gosh darn staying. We didn't say gosh darn. And you know it. And we gosh darn stayed. These colors don't bleed, man. (laughs) Helen, how you feeling now? She still wants to go to that gentleman's establishment. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, it is definitely not a family show. Bridget, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. Do you want to jump in this pool? I'm ready to hit the club. Me and Tom Brady. Hit the clubs, baby. Hit the clubs. Oh, my God. That's all we need. Guys, Patriots just won the first ever overtime Super Bowl. Filibuster Freestyle, two-year anniversary complete. All right, and I am back, and that was how it ended up. So clearly a uh, 
bit of a crazy night. Bit of a crazy night there. Uh, <laughs> hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you could hear it. Hopefully the sound quality wasn't too bad. I know it wasn't super good. But uh, anyway, what I want to do now is just do old school Fred Buster freestyle, which is just kind of go through it. Here I am by myself, your buddy Gavin, and uh, going to give you some Super Bowl 51 follow-up thoughts. But first, places listening, um, Ashburn, Virginia, you're still out there. You came in second place this week. Um, you know, you clearly have caught up and you're listening and therefore, um, you know, not number one right now, but that run of like seven straight weeks or maybe 12 weeks at number one in Ashburn, Virginia, congrats. And thanks for still listening. Also a new place came in third, Naha, Japan, uh, Naha, Japan, third place this week. And the number one stunner this week was my hometown of Walpole, Mass. Thanks to likely my family for listening. Okay, unofficial sponsor of the week. It has been mentioned that Corona Light was one of them, but I want to give it up to La La Land. Not the movie, but the drinking establishment and eatery in Wynwood, in the Wynwood section in Miami. Uh, the mojitos they had were, you know, all six of our judges were A+, plus, number one stunner. Again, to use that phrase twice in a one segment. But uh, go to La La Land in, in Wynwood if you ever get a chance and get a mojito. Phenomenal. Okay, Super Bowl 51. First of all, I'm just going to say right now, this is my favorite Patriots victory of all time. So coming back, going to overtime, beating the Falcons became my favorite Patriots victory of all time. Because I, I, I'm not going to say – well, here's what I'm going to say. I definitely did not give up on the fact that they might be able to make it interesting. But I definitely thought they would run out of time and therefore would lose. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend – that I, I didn't. And the only person who I know for a fact actually never gave up is my cousin Doug Brown. Uh, I referenced that in the last little recording, but at halftime, or actually when the Pats went down 28 to 3, um, you know, I looked at somebody and I said, hey, you guys want to go somewhere else? And a couple people were like, yeah, maybe we should. And then Doug's like, man, you guys can go. I'm staying. And I think that shamed us all into, you know what? We were at Monty's Sunset. We had the Really, really good seats at a really, really good scene. We literally tried to drink all their Corona Light and have all their stone crab and nachos and such. And Doug Brown, you know, shamed us into staying, and he was right. And we saw one for the ages. So favorite one of all time. What I thought was weird was just seeing the Patriots down by so much because they've never looked that in over their head during a Super Bowl in the Brady-Belichick era. Um you know, they've gotten crushed in playoff games before, especially either in Denver or against the Broncos or against the Ravens in general. Um, but, you know, coming back from 25 down with less than 30 minutes to play with the highest stakes possible up for grabs, I mean, that's a win for the ages. So, I mean, just enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. It's unbelievable um, because the Patriots, again, have never played a worse kind of three and a half or three quarters of football, uh, two and a half quarters of football in a, in a Super Bowl. And they've never played a better quarter and a half or so in a Super Bowl, in my opinion. Uh, and they needed every ounce of it. Um, and, you know, now I can kind of see why 49ers fans hold on so dearly to the, 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 the immortal Joe Montana and, because they realize they're never getting him back. And the Patriots are never getting Tom Brady back once he's gone. So I hope he does play for five more years or whatever he wants to do. And at some point, he will be done forever. So I'm going to enjoy this. And I'll take whatever he's willing to give us. All right. First overtime Super Bowl in the history of the game. The largest comeback in Super Bowl history. And ironically, despite the fact that the Patriots had to come down from the largest deficit of all time, this win 
by six points in overtime is actually representative of their largest margin of victory in any of their five Super Bowl titles. Every other game has been decided by three or four points. So a lot of irony there in that they were down by 25. They scored 31 straight, and it was their largest. It wound up being, quote-unquote, their most decisive victory, even though it was obviously the one that was most in doubt. Um, fantastic stuff, though. And the Patriots obviously now have been to the most Super Bowls ever, nine, and they've been to seven of them in about 16 seasons. Um, all great things. And like I said, just so blown away by what I saw last night. And Monty's Stone Crab, sorry, Monty's Sunset, uh, fantastic place. And speaking of Stone Crab, go to Joe's Stone Crab in Miami Beach sometime down in South Beach. They've been around for like 100 plus years, and they have the best Stone Crab I've ever had in my life, period. Okay. A um, couple other observations. Roger Goodell got absolutely eviscerated by the crowd. The boos were the most, like, uh, that's like wrestling heel Booze. Like when a wrestling heel who's trying really hard to be disliked is at the peak of his powers, uh, that is what Roger Goodell is getting. In fact, um, I believe his name is David Shoemaker. David Shoemaker hosts a podcast and used to work for the Grantland, and I think now he's part of the Ringer with Bill Simmons. But I believe he calls when, when a guy gets really bad heat, like a lot of heat, X-Pac heat, after the wrestler X-Pac, who people didn't like because he was a bad guy, and they just didn't like him. And so he got like Basically, he got Roger Goodell heat. And maybe the new phrase needs to be Roger Goodell heat because that guy got some apex predator, peak of his powers, wrestling heel heat last night from the crowd. Again, shout out to Dougie Brown for never giving up. He literally never gave up. Uh, everybody else <laughs> definitely was at least thinking about, man, hopefully the Patriots can at least just be respectable. Uh, so, again, props to Doug Brown. So, I, I guess here's my question. You know, can the Patriots come back and do it again next year? Um I think a couple things. One, do I think they can win the AFC again? Yeah, I do. I mean, they, they've been in six straight AFC championships. So I think if they remain in good health, um, don't have a lot of injury issues, et cetera, you know, I definitely think they've got a shot to get back to the AFC championship, which means they can definitely win the AFC. Winning the whole thing again? I don't know. But, I mean, they won three and four, back, three and four years back in the day. So if they do repeat, which would be their second repeat, um, you could argue that what they really had was two mini dynasties and that they had a pretty good in the middle, but really they had two mini bookend dynasties. Interesting thing to watch out for next year to see if they can do another three and four years trick like they did back in the early 2000s. Uh, I would say Tom Brady at this point is absolutely playing with house money. I mean, from here on out, whatever he does, I think uh, can only enhance his legacy. And, And at the very least, if things don't go well for him in the future, I think his legacy right now is so intact that he's going to be able to take what will be the reasonable uh, slings and arrows with Father Time obviously eventually winning the battle that Father Time always wins against athletes or anybody else for that matter. But I think he could walk away tomorrow or he could spend the next five years sliding back towards the pack of kind of, you know, from great to good to, to average quarterbacks, just again with time and not being on his side. But either way, I think he's fine. I think he can win another Super Bowl, or in my opinion, he can lose another Super Bowl. And I think either way, if he even winds up ever suiting up and playing and starting his eighth Super Bowl, I think win or lose, that would help his legacy and further distance him. I really do. Uh, Martellus Bennett may be the earliest person ever to say that he's not going to go on the team trip to the White House to visit the president. I mean, not even 24 hours later. Perhaps actually even right after the game, 
in the press conference. He basically said, I'm not going to the White House. So uh, it will be interesting to monitor that, especially with the team's leadership, the Kraft family, um, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, kind of all having at least a history of being friendly towards then private citizen Donald Trump over the years. We'll see how that goes. Apparently, Tom Brady's jersey was stolen. Uh, NFL security is quote unquote on it. And while I don't know that they need to de- donate, uh, dedicate the $5 million they spent on trying to persecute the Patriots via Deflategate, uh, I do hope that they throw a fraction of the resources to this infraction towards what they did towards Deflategate and hope we get Thomas' shirt back. I did hear a rumor, and it's unconfirmed because I only heard it once, that he also had his jersey from the last Super Bowl stolen. Um, you know, maybe it's one of those two equipment dudes, the Deflator and the other guy, Dorito D. Anyway, for Falcons fans, Listen, it's a really tough pill to swallow. And the reason I can talk about it, not that I'm an expert, but when the Patriots lost to the Giants when they could have gone perfect, um, that's a tough one, man. There's definitely a Super Bowl hangover to that. Um, last year in Charlotte, team went 15-1. and one. The Panthers went 15-1 and one in the regular season. They destroyed the Seahawks in the NFC Championship. They were huge, or at least significant favorites against the Broncos. Just didn't play well. And... You know, you felt the hangover here in Charlotte uh, for a couple months viscerally. And then when the season started and they kind of got off to a slow start and they were like one in five or one in four. I mean, it's tough. So Falcons fans, stick with your team and your coaches. Um, it's tough, man. It really is. And, and again, I think a lot of people that I talked to in the last two weeks were like, you know, I don't hate the Falcons. Um, and I don't either. And then they, they, they said that. And I agree. Um, you know, definitely had strong disdain for the Giants the second time around because they ruined the perfect season with their epic win in Super Bowl 42. Um, you know, the Eagles, I didn't have a lot of beef with the Eagles, but then having lived in Philadelphia after that Super Bowl, I mean, Eagles fans, passionate bunch, but yeah, I have some, you know, they don't like us, we don't like them type deal. Um, the Rams, the Panthers, whatever, but I just, you know, if the Falcons won, you know, a lot of people like Matty Ice, a lot of people like that, that they took care of other unpopular teams like folks didn't want to see the Seahawks again folks didn't want to see the Cowboys unless you know you're Cowboys fans they didn't want to see the Packers unless they're Packers fans so the Falcons were a nice story and they're a very talented team in fact I mean they were top five all-time regular season scoring offense so they joined the 2007 Patriots who were undefeated and I believe three other teams who were prolific top five all-time regular season scoring like leaders to not win the Super Bowl. So basically the top five offenses in regular season history of the NFL have never won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, that's kind of crazy. So, you know, weird stats to keep an eye on, but if your team is like a top five or a top six offense of all time, they're going into a Super Bowl, you might want to bet on the other team or at least take the under uh, or the, you know, the, take the other team to cover. Uh, finally, okay, those are my Super Bowl takes, but... We haven't done this one in a while, but since it is a two-year anniversary show, uh, our crack research team was called out by my father, uh, who listened. And you know, when I was talking with Andy Maslin about Serena Williams and uh, Roger Federer and the Australian Open, um, we did not make the footnote that Margaret Court um, has the most women's major tennis titles of all time. We've actually talked about Margaret Court before on the show, not for a long time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think what we were trying to do was just kind of say that because Serena came along like right as the, at the end of Steffi Graf's career, and then basically in the 20 years that have followed, nobody has held a candle to Serena 
in that arc. Uh, we really were dealing in the present tense. But yeah, Margaret Court has the most. So the old, we had an old rule in the show, which was if somebody catches us, you know, make a mistake and we don't apologize for it first, uh, we'll do a rap apology. So we're going to do a rap apology to the late, great Margaret Court. At least I believe she's late, great. Um, she's definitely a great. Uh, ironically, I think one of the last times we did a rap apology, it was actually to Serena Williams back in July of 2015. I don't remember what we got wrong about her, but uh, we got something wrong. So anyway, this is definitely our second ever women's tennis great getting a rap apology. And um, it's not going to be very long, but I'm making the effort because it's the two-year anniversary of the show. So um, here we go. Margaret Court. I fully support getting back to you on the mulligan because you know that I did it again when I said you had not missed a big in the big and doing with the thing. I can't even rap, guys. Usually I can uh, do a better uh, freestyle than that. So I'm going to apologize for a pathetic rap apology. But guess what? I tried. I failed. Two years in. My rap game is worse, but the freestyle has never been stronger. Thanks to everybody who listens and shares on Facebook, likes on Facebook, leaves reviews. Um, on our SoundCloud page, leaves reviews on iTunes, which helps other people find us. People who check out the website, philbusterfreestyle.com. People who tweet at us, you know, either at me, at Gavin Viano, or at FB underscore freestyle. When you like our tweets, when you retweet us, uh, we really appreciate it. And so thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the Super Bowl recap, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Congrats to the Pats, and um, we'll see what happens next season. Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Whee!